Good morning again. Most of you realize, if you have been present here or uh, following the uh, lessons that I've been teaching, that I've, I've chosen probably the largest subject in the Bible. That's the word love. And uh, we started out talking about the love of God and why He loves us. And it's, it's a very obvious as we begin to think about Him as our Creator, why He would love us. And then last week we talked about us loving God. Now, this week, let's talk about the love for my neighbor. Uh, we first of all have to establish a couple of things because it, it gets a little little confusing to us when we think about a relationship with God and think about our relationship with others. And that is that uh, we're not talking about, when we talk about a relationship with God and, and loving a neighbor, we're actually talking about an emotion, how we feel, how you feel about your neighbor. It's not what you think about them. For instance, you may admire your neighbor. You may admire a businessman. That's a feeling. You may, you may adore a movie star and, and feel a loss when that movie star is gone. For instance, I feel a great loss because John Wayne passed. And some of you may have felt a great loss when, when uh, one of your favorite stars passed this earth. You, you had a feeling... You had an emotional feeling toward them. Uh, but that's not what we're talking about. We're not ta- talking about respect. We're not talking about admiration. We're not, not talking about something that we can intellectualize about our neighbor, knowing where they live, where they work, what they do, how they interrelate in the community, what status they have, and so forth. We're talking about an emotion you have, a feeling that you have for your neighbor. How do you feel about your neighbor? That's basically what, what uh, we're talking about here. Jesus is talking about loving the neighbor. We know he's not recommending that we fall in love romantically with our neighbor. We're not talking about, he's not talking about getting an erotic feeling about your neighbor. But he's talking about loving your neighbor as yourself. And so, there's some Bible definitions that have to do with the love of your neighbor. For instance, in Romans chapter 13, verse 8 through 10, the Bible says, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loves another has fulfilled the law. Now that's, if we, if we just think about it, these two commandments is actually the, the entirety of our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. And so, Paul is talking about loving your neighbor, and he says it fulfills the law. For this you shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet, and if it be any other commandment, It is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love works no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Galatians chapter 4 verse 14 says, For all the law is fulfilled, the complete, the totality of it. 
Everything God wants you to do. Now that's pretty broad, isn't it? Everything He wants you to be. He says, love is for all the laws fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. James 2 at verse 8 says, If you fulfill the royal law, according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. Sometimes we, we uh, use this as the golden rule. Isn't that correct? We'll, we'll sometimes quote this. Matthew chapter 7 verse 12 says, All things whatsoever you would that men should do unto you, do to them also likewise. The golden rule. Some have turned that around and says, everything you don't want people to do to you, don't do to them. But this is a positive. This is the positive of it. Now, that, that's the simple part. Have a feeling toward your neighbor. Now, he's, he's going to use the term, love your neighbor. And he's going to use a term that, that we will we'll show here in just a minute. First of all, we need to define neighbor. The neighbor is not the guy or the woman who lives next door to you or in your community. That's not what he's talking about. Matter of fact, the word neighbor. <laughs> yeah, I know that one too. I know some neighbors that, that are hard to get along with. In my neighborhood, we use that term neighbor pretty broadly in the English language. The Greek and the Hebrew used it narrowly. It did not mean someone who lived close by. As a matter of fact, the word neighbor in the Old Testament is translated friend. Now think about this a minute. He's talking about, and it's the same word. The Old, Old Testament Hebrew is the word R-E-A, and there's no vowels in the Old Testament, but that's the way, the, way it comes out in the English. Sometimes it's translated friend and sometimes it's translated neighbor. Now then, my, the person that lives next door to me may not be friendly. So when we're talking about love your neighbor, we're not talking about having some kind of feeling toward your emotional feeling toward a bad person. But I, I want to keep, keep this in mind. I'm not talking about loving your enemies yet. We'll talk about that when I get back from Arizona. We're gonna we're gonna go. Bonnie and I are gonna run down to Arizona and and visit our oldest daughter for a week, and then we'll be back. We won't be back next Sunday. Uh, Darren Morrison's gonna preach for you next Sunday, but then after that we'll be back, and I, that's when I'm gonna talk about loving your enemy. But this is talking about loving your neighbor. So don't think about the person who lives next door to you necessarily. Think about friend. Love your friend. Now this this is gonna this is gonna narrow us down to some degree. The Greek in the New Testament, the word neighbor, is taken from the word filio, which we used last week, which has to do with a friendly relationship. So you remember Jesus was talking to Peter, and, and Jesus said, "Peter, do you love me?" And he used the broad term, which meant to act in the best interest of someone, agape. And Peter said, oh, you're my friend. And he said that twice. And finally, Jesus apparently just let him have it. But the point is that this word filio means someone like a friend that you have, 
that you've made, friendship in school, friendship on the job, friendship somewhere where you have a, a specific relationship to that person that's close. And then the word plesion, which is the word neighbor, and that means one close by. And it's not talking about proximity. It's talking about relationships. So, now then, that makes it tough. That really makes it tough. You say, well, it should be easier to, to love someone close by than it is to love someone I don't know. That's not true. Matter of fact, this idea of loving my friend deepens my sense of responsibility to be able to do what I'm supposed to do in, re in regard to that friend. Now, we're going to approach this differently than you've probably ever heard it in your life. I know it's the first time I've ever thought about it this way. Now, I've been thinking about it this way for a while, but I've never preached this before. So when we're talking about love your neighbor, we're talking about love your friend, and we usually talk about it from the pr perspective of the person who is in control of the situation rather than the person that's not in control, the dominant and subordinate. We're not talking about the dominant individual of the friendship. We're talking about the subordinate. So what I want to do is take you back to the Old Testament and show you what the Old Testament said about loving your neighbor because that's what this is all based on. So if you, if you have your Bibles, I would recommend you do that. Go to Leviticus chapter 19. And what we want to do is see some things about friendship, about loving your neighbor, loving your friend. And before we go too much further, let's just make a couple of quick statements. All the problems that you read in the Bible that came up between individuals came up between friends. Did you know that? Whenever the Bible talks about a conflict... It's usually talking about a conflict between friends. Those are close. Cain and Abel. Right? They were brothers. And they had a conflict. Somebody didn't love the other one. Isn't that correct? They had a conflict. They had a problem. And then you go a little further and you get a hold of... You, you begin to read about a fellow by the name of Abraham. Abraham was a friend of God. And he had a nephew and his nephew was named Lot. And Abraham, God blessed Abraham abundantly. Abraham had, had sheep and goats and land. and he, he just had a wonderful situation and Lot was with him. And, uh, and Lot decided he wanted more of that than he was getting. And so they, he wanted to separate from Abraham and make his own business. And so Abraham gave him because they had a parting of the ways. Abraham said, okay, you make your choice. You can have the best best of it. And so he did. Lot took the best. And so there, there was a situation there where, where you had a, a departure between friends. Then you have Jacob and Esau, brothers again. Jacob wanted the birthright. Esau wanted the birthright. They went their particular ways. They split up. They had their problems. Then when you come to the time of the 12 tribes of Israel, remember the, the two sons... <coughs> pardon me, of Rachel, Joseph and Benjamin. Joseph was a favorite of his father's, and Joseph uh, was given a coat of many colors, and the big brothers didn't like him. So they, when he came out to check on them, they threw him in a pit. 
took the coat of many colors, put some blood on it, took it back to the old man, said he's, the animals got him. Joseph was later taken into Egypt. But the point is, the conflict was between those who were close. Not the, the, the great problems were not coming from outside, coming from those who were far away, but coming from those that are close. When Moses, who was the daughter of an Israelite, when he was taken into the bulrushes and taken and then picked up by Pharaoh's daughter, she took him into Pharaoh's house and raised him among the Egyptians, and he had a great stature in Egypt. And the time came that he saw, and he had some authority, he saw some of his Hebrew brothers being mistreated by an Egyptian overseer, and he killed the guy. Buried him in the sand. And the next day he saw his two Hebrew brothers going at it, and he separated them, and one of them said, are you going to kill us like you did the Egyptian? And then the word spread, and Pharaoh came for Moses' neck. The conflict was between Moses and his Hebrew brothers. Those who were close. Neighbors, if you please. Actually, when you talk about Israel and they came out of Egyptian bondage, when they, when they came out of Egyptian bondage, they were all pretty well related, weren't they? Twelve tribes. All of one big family. They knew each other. They were friends. They were close. They were neighbors. And so what God is going to tell them to do is, here, I'm going to tell you how to get along with your neighbor. Now, let's look at Leviticus chapter 19. And let's make sure that we're looking at it from the subordinate point of view rather than the dominant point. By that I mean, He's going to tell you how to, how to be good to your neighbor. And be good to those, to your friend. So in chapter 19 of Leviticus... And at verse 11, he says, You shall not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie one to another, not swear by, name, by my name falsely, neither shall you profane the name of thy God, I am the Lord. Now before we get too much further, what we're thinking about here is, who can do the most damage to you? And who can you do the most damage to by your misbehavior? Those that are closest to you. Correct? Okay. He's saying, and you can take it, what he's saying is, do not take advantage of those that trust you. Don't betray those who love you. Don't betray those that you're close to. He, and it's easy. It's easy to steal from someone that trusts you. Is that correct? Bernie Madoff stole from a lot of people. Why? Because they trusted him. And they put their money at risk with him. They thought he was a good guy. We know some other people who have done the same thing. They have a good reputation among folks, and all of a sudden they get their money, then they steal it, and they did the most damage to them. Isn't that correct? It's easier to steal from your, someone who's close to you, from your friend, than it is to steal from a stranger. That's exactly right. So he's saying, don't steal. Don't use and take advantage of a friendship. That's what he's saying. So he's talking about the subordinate side, and he's talking about the dominant. He said, here's the guy that's got money. Don't steal from them. 
Don't take money from them. Don't take advantage of that friendship. They trust you. They would trust you to take their money to the bank. Well, take it to the bank. Don't put it in your pocket. That's what he's saying. Don't betray their trust. Don't betray the confidence they have in you. Don't steal. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about general stealing, overall stealing. That's, that's, that's to be understood. You ought to be an honest person. But it's easier to take advantage of someone that trusts you than it is to take advantage of someone that doesn't trust you. Isn't that correct? He said, and, and uh, don't swear by thy name falsely. So don't tell someone, hey, on, God is my witness. And you're talking to someone who has confidence in you. God is my witness. Take my word for it. He said, don't do that. Don't swear by my name to your friend. Don't default, defraud your neighbor. Don't rob him. Don't take things from him. Neighbors trust each other. Friends trust each other. So it's easy for you to take advantage of someone who has trust in you. So here's someone who has something that you want. He's a friend. So you take it. You've defrauded that friend. He said, don't do that because they have confidence in you. They, they, they're going to they're gonna put their life in your hands. As a matter of fact, they're going to put a lot of confidence in you and, and you, we don't want you to betray that. At verse 13 and 14, he said that you shall not defraud thy neighbor. The wages of him that is hired shall not divide with thee all night. If your friend is going to work for you and he trusts you and you say, okay, come work for me here. I've got a job and we're going to make some money at this and I'll share with you whatever profit we have. So the guy goes to work for you and what happens? You don't share. He thought you were going to share. He went to work and labored diligently, but you don't share. What you've done is you've taken advantage of this guy. You've taken advantage of a friendship. And he says, Thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind. Friendships are both blind and deaf. Did you know that? When someone betrays a friend, you know what happens? When some, something really happens where the friendship is betrayed, whether it's money, whether it's confidence, whatever it might be, people say, I, well, I just wouldn't have believed that they would have done that. Why? Because they're blind and deaf to the friendship, to that relationship. That's what he's talking about. And he's telling me not to be that type of person. Don't take advantage of a friendship. Don't take advantage of a friendship. Now, at verse 15, it says, You should do no unrighteousness in judgment. You'll not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. But in righteousness, judge your neighbor. So, even though... We're friends and they have confidence in me. I need to make sure that, I, that I, I don't treat them differently. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. I, I just have to stop at this one. Don't slander or defame your neighbor, your friend, one close to you. When we were kids, and that's been a while ago, but I can still remember it. Sometimes you would hear someone say something about their best friend. 
And you know that wasn't gonna that wasn't gonna just float in the air and go away. Somebody was gonna report what they said to that friend. And you know that was gonna hurt them to the bottom of their heart. Gonna tear their heart out. I don't care what other people in this world say about me, do you? People can say a lot of things. But when my friend slanders me, that's gonna kill me. That's gonna hurt me deeply. And that's what he's saying. Love your neighbor. Do what? Do not slander your neighbor. Don't take advantage of them and don't hurt them. Don't hurt them in their heart. Don't be a talebearer among thy people. Neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. Of course, he's talking about giving false testimony. In a court of law, when people are called for a character witness, for instance, and so you have someone come up and say, okay, I'm, here's a guy that's accused of a crime, and we all know he's innocent. Here's a guy accused of a crime. So you have different people coming up and saying, yeah, this, this guy's this bad, and he's this bad, and this bad. And then finally they come to the friend, and his close friend gets up there, and if the close friend slanders him too, he's spoken against his blood. And that's more damaging than anything else that can happen. He's saying, don't damage that friendship. Don't do that. And he goes ahead and says, Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thy heart, neither in any wise rebuke thy brother. When the brother gets does something that's going to hurt them, you need to make sure and warn them of that. Don't just stand back and say, No, it's okay, go ahead and run off the cliff as far as I'm concerned. You, you've, got to, you've got to step up and say what you need to say when a person's in danger. And don't avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people. Thou shalt love thy neighbor, he said, as thyself. I am the Lord. Remember these neighbors that he's talking about? We're all neighbors. We're all friends and relatives. They were all related. So now, obviously, I'm not supposed to go around telling stories about someone I don't even know. But if I tell stories about you, and you and I are friends, it's so damaging. It's so detrimental. It's so harmful. And it's not, not the fact that, that it's wrong, because it is wrong, but it's so much worse. I'm told to love my brother. If I love my brother, if I love my friend, I will make sure that I do not do anything that will betray their confidence, that will betray them, that will hurt them on a personal level. That's what he's talking about. He's not just talking about everybody in general in the whole world. He's talking about the relationship you have. You, can, you have to make sure that you maintain that good relationship that you have and don't betray it. Don't betray it. It's not talking about when he says... Love your neighbor. It's not talking about how much you can give to them of yourself or how much you might disappoint them because you're not doing up, living up to their standard. But it's talking about not doing things to them that will betray that trust. That's what he's talking about. Now, who is my friend? Well, we know who my friend is. Who is my friend? Well, my friend, I know my friends. Do you know your friends? And we treasure them, don't we? And we don't want to hurt them. We want to make sure that our friends have confidence and trust in us 
and that they can they can have confidence in that relationship. I, I want to make sure that I do not do anything that will disrupt their life or that will harm them or that will bring them into any, any uh, sense of difficulty. Now the question was asked again in the Luke chapter 10 verse 25, beginning at verse 25, when uh, one of the lawyers came to Jesus and he asked that question again. He said, what's the first commandment of the law? And Jesus told him, and then it says, he willing to justify himself when he heard that he should uh, love the Lord thy God with all his heart, mind, and soul, and then love his neighbor as himself. Then the man said, well, in order to justify himself, he said, who is my neighbor? That's the question, isn't it? Who is my neighbor? Do you know your friends or don't you? Craig knows his friends. I know my friends. You know your friends? Who are my friends? So, and I know who can hurt me worse than anybody else. It's not a stranger. Strangers don't hurt me at all. My friends hurt me. Your friends hurt you. There's the issue. How do they hurt you? Now, in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, Jesus expanded this idea of friendship, didn't he? And he expanded it exponentially. He expanded it all over the world. So now then, he says, verse 20, 29, where the man tried to justify himself, he said, Who is my neighbor? Jesus said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came upon a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now picture this, please. This man fell among thieves. He was just journeying along. They took his clothes off, took all his clothes off, left him bleeding and hurt on the side of the road, and took everything he had. There he sat. Now here comes a fellow, here comes a fellow along, and he goes on the other side of the street. What did the, what did the fellow think that had fallen among the thieves? What would he have thought? What if today you had an automobile accident and you were thrown out of your automobile and you, lay, you were laying on the side of the road? What would you expect if somebody came by? What would you expect? Well, you'd expect that somebody would have mercy, wouldn't you? Stop and help you. Now, this situation happened just not long ago. Young lady was laying on the side of the road and people just walked by. One fellow came up, he had a dog with him, and let the dog sniff at her feet and walked on. Neighbors saw it across the street, they saw it, saw her laying in the street, laying on the side of the road, and went about their business. Well, okay. Here's this fellow, he came along and he saw him. And he went across the street. What I'm wondering is, is what did the man think that was laying there hurt? What was his feeling? Was he, was he hurt emotionally when he saw that? Did he expect them to help him? I think so. I think you would expect someone to stop and help you. Someone said, well, I can't stop and help because, you know, I don't have insurance to cover that. That's silly, isn't it? You can do something. Stop and help. Well, this guy didn't. He, he came along and he said, no. 
he, uh, a certain priest came by and he saw him. He went back on the other side. Well, okay, that's all right. Here's another guy. Likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. He went on the other side too. He didn't want to have anything to do with him. I'm thinking about the guy laying there wondering what's going to happen. They don't care about me? What's, what's the deal? Well, they weren't his friends, were they? If his friend came by, he would have jumped to his rescue, correct? Okay. A certain Samaritan, as he, Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he, where he was. When he saw him, he had compassion on him, went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, set him in his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever you shall spend more when I come again, I will repay you. Which now of these three, think you, was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves. Who was his friend? Who was his friend? And he said, He that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. So that expands this idea of friendship. If you pass by on the other side, you know what you're going to do? You're going to disappoint that person. They're going to lose confidence. They're going to say, what's going on in my life? What's wrong with me? That's what they're going to do. And Jesus said, and of course we get the point, we need to respond to that individual. But the point we need to make clearly is that as a friend, we do not betray the trust a person should have in us. Correct? Don't betray that trust. If people are our friends, if we are friends, and if we are friends like Jesus said, we should not betray the trust of someone who would depend upon us. So if my neighbor, whoever it is, is in trouble, then why should I help them? Because if I don't, I will lose their confidence. Isn't that something? Now, wait a minute. Why does God have... Why does God care anything about us? Why does He care anything about me? If It's because He loves me. Correct? And if He doesn't take care of me, then I lose confidence in Him. He's my friend. He is my friend. And He's told me that He will take care of me, that He will bless me if I will do His will. He's told me that. And I know that He will. And I have confidence in Him that He will. And I know that he loved me. If he didn't love me, he would just let me go to hell and not pay any attention to me at all. He wouldn't have done a thing, would he? He would not have sent his son. But Jesus didn't pass by on the other way. Matter of fact, Jesus went to the cross for me. Now, I, w I want to use an illustration along this line because I'm... I want to make sure that we're understanding that the emotion we're talking about in loving the neighbor is an emotion of feeling responsible to make sure that we protect what the other people feel in their heart about us. Friendship. That's what I think, what I want to do. Here's a guy, and I've used this illustration before, and I need to use it again. A house is on fire. And the man has left his children... With the, with the babysitter. And he gets word that his house is on fire, and so he rushes home. The babysitter's gotten out safely, but his two children are still there in the house. 
He wants to go in the house and save them. And he knows it may cost him his life. That's not the consideration he has. Why is he going to go in there and get those kids? Because he loves them? No. Because they love him. And he's not going to disappoint the love they have in him. He's going to go get them because they depend upon daddy. Now that's what's going on. That's why Jesus went to the cross. And you know, one of the saddest texts in the Bible is in Psalms chapter 41 verse 9 where it says, my own, my own familiar friend that I trusted that ate my bread has lifted up his heel against me. My own my familiar friend lifted up his heel against me. Never lift your heel against your familiar friend. Never betray your familiar friend. Don't talk about your familiar friend. Don't talk about your neighbor. Don't say mean things about your neighbor. Don't do mean things to your neighbor. Don't begrudge your neighbor. Don't, don't uh, bear false witness about your neighbor. Take care of your neighbor. The neighbor was the good Samaritan. And so he acted, and what Jesus said, he acted with mercy. And that's what he's asking us to do. Act with mercy toward those that need us and have confidence and trust in us. I'm going to let you have it at that. Let's stand and sing the song selected.